so that's it. We're going to stop with Benny Snell. Nothing else out there. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I'd be grateful if you checked out. Benny Snell appears to be the default backup running back behind, of course, Najee Harris. And I say that principally because there's no one else. I think a lot of us, myself included, were under the impression that this team was going to go out and maybe look at a free agent, maybe even grab another running back in one of the later rounds of the draft. I was not in favor of the latter, and I'm on the record as showing that. But I was, and still am, to an extent in favor of the Steelers at least exploring what's out there in this capacity. But I'm not thinking it's going to happen. And part of the reason for that, beyond the obvious that they haven't done it yet, is that Mike Tomlin has spoken since the draft about the backup running backs as if this is now going to be something of a competition between Snell and Anthony McFarland. He has described Snell as a guy who's been uh, serviceable, workmanlike, and there are things that Benny can bring. Don't bite my head off for that. I know he's not particularly popular with the fan base, but there are things that he can bring. Remember how he closed out a game in the 2021 season, came on, had two big runs that were clock eaters and yardage eaters and first down marker movers while Najee was stuck on the sideline for a bit. And then remember, too, When you bury Benny for his statistics, and this past season he had 36 carries for 98 yards, and yes, that's for the season. Remember that a 2.7 yards per carry thing doesn't look all that bad in light of the fact that Najee was running behind that same offensive line and they couldn't run block to save their lives. So it's a difficult discussion to have backup running back, but I'm going to Go against the grain here and put forth a couple of things that might work in Benny's favor in this situation that might not make him the worst possible option. Number one is actually a negative. In fact, it might be the biggest negative as it relates to Benny, and that is that he just doesn't see holes you know, you sometimes talk about running backs who don't hit holes, who aren't aggressive enough when they there's a hole that's there that's being created or that's opening, that they have that vision. Benny doesn't reach that stage. Benny doesn't see them. If there's a big hole to his left and there's a bunch of jerseys to his right, he's going to run toward the jerseys at least once in a while. It's not a religious thing. But if you know that as a coordinator, as an offensive line coach who's putting together blocking schemes for the run, if you know that in advance and you use Benny appropriately 
And in a balanced way, working off Najee, you can find some kind of yin and yang that combines for an element that keeps the opponent off balance. And I'm not going to... Okay, I am. You know, when Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams were working together, you had two very different running backs. And as a result, the offensive line had two very different blocking approaches. Now, it was a veteran offensive line, uh, way more experienced, obviously, than what the Steelers are about to have, certainly as a unit. And that's not an easy adjustment to make from series to series. And you're realistically looking at a balance where Najee handles two or three series, and then the backup handles another one, depending on how the clock works. If Benny goes straight ahead, just plows into people, and you remember the one big game that he had a couple of years ago against the Browns, he's capable of doing that. If you put him into those types of situations and allow him to work from his strengths, maybe you got something. Maybe. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. But then there's also this. The running back room is really young, and you want that at that position. Everyone knows there's nothing that burns out faster in the NFL than a running back. And between Najee and Benny and Anthony McFarland, you got a lot of really young guys. Did you know that Benny's only 24 years old? He just turned 24 a couple months ago. This is still a young guy. On top of that, he hasn't exactly accumulated a lot of football mileage, so to speak, over his three NFL seasons with just 255 carries. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. You want and need fresh legs there. The other thing is the Steelers now have, at the running back position, something of a similar dynamic to what they have at quarterback and other positions in which they've just gotten really young overall. And the two backups can, I think, maybe, possibly push each other. I'm leaving Najee out of this one completely. He's not getting pushed by any of these guys. Like, not now, not ever, okay? But between Benny and McFarland, you have a couple of players that the Steelers really like. Tomlin did take a little bit of a jab at McFarland in his post-draft assessment by just referring to his availability. Um, that's not exactly a secret. You can see the number of games that he's missed to injury, and that's not okay. If you can set up something of a tandem back there where Benny is your guy who just plows through the line in certain situations and McFarland is more of your uh, pass catcher, try to break something big, anything at all but whatever that fourth and ten call was last year. Remember that? Ben's uh, prayer that he put up for McFarland down the right sideline. Oh, my goodness. Just no, never that again. But, but. It's worth mentioning, if only in the context that they, someone, 
Matt Canada, Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger thought enough of McFarland that they thought that was going to work, and they assigned it to him. Ben spoke afterward about how that play was something that they really believed in. Again, that was the player in whom they believed. So there's something there. One other thing I'd be remiss if I didn't mention on this discussion before going to break, and that's that Benny has become a really good special teams player. And I know nobody notices these things. But when you're talking about Benny Snell, or for that matter, Derek Watt, who was the special teams captain, it's funny how the debate instantly turns toward uh, you know, how Benny is going to rank at backup running back or how Watt is going to lose his job to Connor Hayward. And everyone leaves out special teams. Fact of the matter is the special teams, specifically the kick coverage of the Steelers last season was pretty good. I don't know that it was spectacular, but it was pretty good. And among the better guys on those pretty good units were Snell and Derek Watt. If we're getting real here, anybody who beats out Benny, hypothetically, to be the backup running back has to also, and maybe more importantly, beat him out on special teams. And I don't believe that's going to happen. When we come back, just one question. portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped. Not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Time for J1Q, and today's comes from Jay Warnick, who asks, does it concern you that a franchise that had a first-round grade on Mason Rudolph was the only franchise to draft a quarterback in the first two rounds of the 2022 draft? Uh, okay. Where do I start with this one? Because it's not universally accepted that the Steelers had this first round grade on Mason. In fact, there are people close to the situation who reject that notion and have rejected it all along. The Steelers themselves, meaning Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, and anyone else who'd be capable of speaking for them, have never acknowledged this out in the open. I have heard it, and I've heard it from people I trust, but I get bad information sometimes. I'm sure they get bad information sometimes, and it might not necessarily be true is what I'm saying. Because let's remember that not only was Mason taken after the first round, he was taken after the second round. The third round pick there, James Washington, his wide receiver mate, college went ahead of him. And let's not pretend that 
you know, James Washington was some rousing success while he was here. So as long as you're on the subject of do you trust them to do this or to do that, it's entirely fair, I'd think, to hit them pretty hard on both counts, or certainly a lot harder, where Washington is concerned. Take that and just shuffle it off to the side. Because I hear this thing that you've brought up about no other quarterbacks being taken until the third round, as if that's kind of some indictment of the picket choice or picket himself. That doesn't add up for me. It really doesn't. If there was a wide receiver and just one who was really good and was a legitimate first-round pick, and all of the other wide receivers stunk, so no other wide receiver would be taken until the third or fourth round or whatever. I know this is totally insane, but just hear me out. How would that reflect on the first wide receiver taken? All that matters is the individual caliber of the player who's taken in the first round. The overall depth of the class isn't a reflection on that athlete. It can't be. It's crazy to think that it is. But I hear this one a lot. Wow, they really reached there. Oh, that's crazy. They could have waited. This is another one. They could have waited until uh, a few more picks had passed. They could have waited until the second round to get Pickett. They could have traded down. Uh, that one comes up quite a bit. Could have traded down. You don't know that. I don't know that. They don't know that. When you're in that room, meaning their draft war room, you are operating almost singularly off a board that's on your wall that lists the players independent of position in the order in which you would prefer to make them Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you're sitting there in that room and Pickett is a lot higher than 20 on your board, and I think there's ample evidence to believe them when they suggest that he was a lot higher than 20, because otherwise, why go through all this Malik Willis stuff? Then what's the, you know, they, they took the best player on their board. And it happened to be a quarterback. And if other teams didn't trust Willis, which they obviously didn't since he didn't go until the third round to the Titans. And if they didn't trust the various other quarterbacks on whom the Steelers obviously did exhaustive research, then what's the issue? What's the issue? Kenny Pickett was the Steelers' top pick. Kenny Pickett was the top player on their board at the time that they picked after 19 other teams. They got a player that they wanted, apparently not enough to trade up, but that they wanted and were happy to have at the number 20 choice. What happens after that means not a thing, and definitely what happened with Mason Rudolph means less than nothing. You hit some, you miss some. Whatever your hit rate is, you know, ideally, it's really good. But for every Jarvis Jones, there's a T.J. Watt. Oh, that was mean. I really liked Jarvis when he was here. I take that one back, Jarvis. You're a good dude, my man. <laughs> wow. 
I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We will do another one tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.